Well, thanks so much for joining us here on Cranford Radio. My name is Bernie Wagenblast. Today, we're going to be talking about an organization that a lot of folks in town may not be familiar with, but they play a big role as far as transportation is concerned. Roads, New Jersey Transit, not directly in Cranford, but even other aspects of transportation as well. And I'm joined by the Executive Director of the North Jersey Transportation Planning Authority, David Barron. David, welcome to Cranford Radio. Hi, Bernie. Thanks for having me. I gave the name of the organization that you are the executive director of, but as I said, I have a feeling that the average person may not be overly familiar with what the NJTPA is all about. So why don't we start off with a bit of an explanation about what the organization is and what you folks do? Okay, sure. Well, the North Jersey Transportation Planning Authority, or NJTPA for short, is what's called a metropolitan planning organization. These are organizations, there's maybe about between 450 and 500 of these nationwide in metropolitan areas designated by Congress with certain authority for regional planning and programming and approval of federal transportation funds. That is led by a board of trustees, which consists of 13 county elected officials, elected officials from the cities of Newark and Jersey City, and then other representatives of transportation agencies such as NJDOT and New Jersey Transit. And this board works to conduct regional planning to assist counties and municipalities with certain types of transportation related planning. And the board also must approve all federal highway and federal transit funds that come into our 13 county region in order for those to be used. The real principle behind metropolitan planning organizations is to give local elected officials some role and a voice in how federal transportation funds are used in the region. So it's not just up to the state, but the counties are able to have some influence uh, in how these dollars are invested and also to put some of them to work on county-led and city-led projects. You touched on this a bit. Obviously, Cranford is part of Union County. So Union County has a voice as part of the NJTPA. How does Union County make their voice heard as part of the NJTPA? Well, primarily the way that the county is represented at the NJTPA is through the board of trustee member. In Union County's case, it's Commissioner Betty Jane Kowalski, who is a resident of Cranford. And she's also a member of our executive committee. She's currently the board secretary. There's a five-member leadership committee. She's a very active member. We've previously had a couple of chairs of the board from Union County uh, who are are no longer commissioners, or in their time, they were freeholders, Angel Estrada and Dan Sullivan, both previous chairs of the NJTPA. So Union County over the years has been very active and involved through both the elected official representative and county planning staff. And I could also note that there's a group called the Union County Transportation Advisory Board, which is set up as part of the requirements of being involved in the NJTPA. The counties need some mechanism for the public to participate at the county level. Yeah, I have with me Ted Ritter from NJTPA staff, who's a Union County resident, and he also regularly attends the Transportation Advisory Board. Maybe he could say a little bit about how that works. Thanks, Dave. It's an interesting advisory board in that it offers all of the municipalities in Union County, 21 municipalities, to have a direct input 
into not only the transportation planning process, but also the local concerns that can be brought by these municipalities to the Union County commissioners. So it's really a vital that they meet monthly or sometimes every other month virtually. And it's just a great way to discuss mutual transportation concerns for the county and for the individual municipalities and figure out a way to get uh, voices heard in that way. There's also an opportunity for public input and the advisory board does get public members uh, participating from time to time as well. And I should also note that it's a it's a good venue for us when we want to say present on a plan we're working on. Like uh, every four years, we're required to do a long range regional transportation plan. We've used Union County Transportation Advisory Board or TAB for short, as well as similar groups in other counties as venues to talk about the plan, get public input. It's uh, it's very useful for us in our planning work as well. And also, Bernie, it's it's they appreciate the opportunity to be involved, um, either through presentations or in some cases taking our surveys. Um, in some cases, they're one of the first groups to be exposed to what we're doing as far as public involvement goes. And we've gotten some really useful feedback from the group as to you know how it plays out, the operational aspects of what we're trying to do. So they've been a great partner in a lot of our outreach work, most recently for our regional active transportation plan. You talked a bit about making decisions about how federal dollars are spent. In Cranford, we have two state highways, Route 28, better known as North Avenue, and the shortest state highway in New Jersey, Route 59, better known as Lincoln Avenue between North and South Avenues. But does the NJTPA also get involved with county roads in terms of funding and even municipal roads to any extent? Certainly with county facilities. We have a program uh, that counties can apply to to qualify for federal funds for work on their county-owned infrastructure. We've seen that over the years primarily going to bridges. Those are sort of the big ticket items that counties need to deal with. But there are sometimes road projects as well. That have, that have been funded through that. There's pros and cons to doing it that way. The pros being obviously it's federal funding. Many of these projects are virtually 100% federally funded without any significant local match. The challenge is that you know there's a fairly rigorous federal process from early stages of planning through construction. Um, and so this can, sometimes these processes can take a while. So it, it may not be as quick as if it were directly funded by a county or done with state funds, because the state also does provide local aid funds to counties and municipalities. But a lot of these bridges are sort of they're beyond that scope in terms of their cost. You know, one thing I did want to mention, because when we talk about transportation, often we go to roads, bridges, trains and transit, I would say. In recent years, we've become much more involved in non-motorized transportation. Active transportation is another word. You know, basically we're talking walking and biking and you know other things. I suppose a skateboard and a scooter and things like that. One of the things we're able to do, our staff is able to do. Uh, we've developed some programs that can assist municipalities in planning. We've seen a great deal of interest in municipalities wanting to make their transportation network safer and more accessible and just generally better for walking and bicycling. And this certainly grew even stronger with the pandemic when so many people were uh, stuck at home and 
looking just to get out and, and, and walk and, and ride in their local communities. And I can give you a few examples of what's been done in Cranford and near Cranford. Cranford, a couple of years back, worked with us and the Transportation Management Association, Easy Ride, which serves much of Union County, on a what was termed a complete streets conceptualization report. That sounds a, <laughs> it's a big word, conceptualization. I guess I should probably say what complete streets means too. Yeah. That's a term that has, has really gained a lot of ground in recent years. And, and basically the idea is, is that a complete street serves all users. And that can include drivers, it includes cyclists, it includes pedestrians, it includes maybe people who have challenges with mobility and need to use a wheelchair or something like that. So what's involved in a, in a planning process like that with Cranford is planners and, and, and local folks and local officials get together and walk the streets, look at some of the opportunities for improvement where and, you know, check for problem areas where maybe there's if there are particular intersections that are challenging for pedestrians and look at ways that it could be it could be improved to make it better for all users. And so in the case of Cranford, it focused on post office plaza and looked at ways to expand and improve transportation for pedestrians in the area. And um, it employed something uh, which we refer to as temporary demonstration projects, which is, and these are, these are particularly well-suited for pedestrian improvements because you can do things with paint or temporary uh, barriers to try things out and see if they'll work, see if they actually will improve that mobility for pedestrians. And so that final report came out with, I believe, four specific recommendations for the post office plaza area and concepts that could be applied to other places in Cranford with other pedestrian challenges. So, you know, the whole idea there is that it's mainly just to make things safer to prevent injuries and fatalities. As I'm sure you're aware, there's been an increase in the last couple of years in fatalities across the board, uh, drivers and passengers of cars as well but particularly with pedestrians and cyclists. So, you know, we're working on efforts like that in uh, multiple communities throughout our region. We have what's called our Complete Streets Technical Assistance Program. That's what that Cranford effort was done under. We also have a, it's a smaller, more targeted type of effort called the Walkable Community Workshop, which is, you know, more like a day of intense observation and, and, and walking in a, in a community that leads to some some basic recommendations on what else could be done. I know there was, that was done in Westfield on North Avenue in 2019. To cover sort of the construction end of things, we, I had mentioned one program called our Local Capital Project Delivery Program when I talked about bridges and things like county bridges and things like that. We also have a local safety program where our members, the counties and the two cities can apply for funds for safety improvements. And then the last thing I'll mention in terms of safety is, because we kind of try to cover the spectrum of activities, we have a public uh, education campaign called Street Smart New Jersey, and uh, it's to educate everybody, drivers, pedestrians, bicyclists, everyone about the rules of the road, constantly remind them to be aware, avoid distraction, those kinds of things. And we've done that now in probably a couple hundred municipalities throughout the region and even some in other parts of the state. And that does include Cranford, 
Mountainside, Westfield, Garwood, Roselle Park, Elizabeth, Linden, New Providence, Rahway, Summit, and Hillside. So a heck of a lot of Union County. It can vary exactly how it's done. It's most effective when it's a combination of education, awareness, and some degree of heightened enforcement. So we look to work with local police departments as well. So that is sort of a quick and broad description of what we've been doing in Cranford and some surrounding areas in terms of pedestrian and bicycle safety and awareness and and driver safety too, of course. You know, that I would say is obviously making a safer system for everybody is one of our highest priorities. It's highlighted in our long range plan. It's very much a priority of our board and it reflects the state's efforts towards zero deaths. It reflects the emphasis of the federal government to reduce injuries and deaths on our transportation system. And right now it feels like there's very much a heightened awareness of this in our industry, in government, and that everyone is rowing in the same direction right now is good to see. Dave, when you talk about federal money, a lot of listeners may be familiar with the IIJA, better known in some cases as the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law. What does that mean for North Jersey in terms of funding that's now available or will be available? The main thing I think to remember about that bill is that it significantly increased the overall funding level for transportation infrastructure. What that means for our region, a few things, certainly it's helping to fund the replacement of the portal bridge and will be uh, helping to fund the Hudson River Tunnel project when that gets underway in the not too distant future. These are massive, nationally significant projects that need a lot of funding and they need a lot of federal funding. And so that bill is delivering on those and that is going to take time, but eventually we will see improved and increased service to uh, New York City from our region. Uh, Obviously the economic engine of New York City is integral to our region's economic success. So a, a better connection to New York City will have a lot of positive impacts on our region. We've already seen, for instance, on many state facilities that we're going to be ready to go for construction or repair next fiscal year. We, working with the state, we've been able to reprogram them with federal funds so that they could get going now. Um, They had gone far enough along in planning and they were ready to go into our transportation improvement program, which is where the dollars are programmed from the final design through construction. And so that, that is allowing more work to be done. For local governments, there are programs like transportation alternatives that are often used for smaller, maybe non-traditional uh, transportation projects like streetscaping or trails, things like that. Those programs have existed for a long time, but they all have a higher funding level now, which means either more projects can be done or some larger projects can be done. Then there's a whole set of discretionary grant programs that local governments and counties can apply directly to. They apply directly to USDOT in Washington. And some of these are are new and some of these are pre-existing programs that now have a little more funding. So there's a lot going on and it can be hard to track all of it. But uh, we at the NJTPA do have a section of our website And we put out emails to our members frequently with the latest news about IIJA 
when notices are put out that a grant program is open for applications and things like that. So there's a heck of a lot of opportunity for local governments more than previously to perhaps directly get some funding for some federally funded projects. Another area that the NJTPA gets involved with is rail lines. We have two in Cranford, of course, NJ Transit's Raritan Valley Line, which goes through the center of town. But there's also the Conrail Line, which carries freight through the south side of town, CSX and Norfolk Southern, running on that. When you stop to think about it, that is probably the place where the most freight traffic moves through Union County is on that rail line. What role does the NJTPA play with freight and passenger rail? I'll start with freight. Uh, We do have a freight planning group in our agency on our staff, and we have something called the Freight Initiatives Committee, which is a subcommittee of our board. Uh, It meets every other month. It's attended by a a wide range of folks, including a lot of private sector people who are involved in freight and logistics. And they discuss major issues affecting freight in our region and, and nationally, really. Important to keep in mind that our region, and again, partly in Union County, is what's now the busiest port in the nation. Yet another massive economic engine for our region. And a lot of that rail freight comes out of there. And also a lot of trucks come out of the port with with freight. So some of the things our freight group works on, uh, we have a similar program to the one I mentioned about county bridges, but with a freight focus where we do initial planning work to come up with an alternative that's acceptable to the community, to the freight users. It's largely focused on rail. I don't believe we've done one of those. It's a relatively new program. I don't believe we've done one of those in Union County yet. For instance, in Morris County, in Dover, there's a a project where there's a actually county-owned short line rail that basically goes right through the middle of downtown Dover and creates some, some issues. And we're working on that study to find a way to perhaps change that freight route to number one, make it safer and and make mobility better in the downtown. Uh, Number two, continue freight service. And then number three, it looks like a possibility is part of the old track will be able to be used for some sort of a bike pedestrian path in town as well. So that's not finalized yet, but you know, that's the kind of thing that we do through the freight planning group. You asked about passenger rail in New Jersey transit, Kevin Corbett, the CEO of New Jersey Transit, sits on our board. They're actively involved. We work closely with them on programming federal funds. We do various planning efforts uh, with them. One of the ways that where sort of local municipal concerns and transit come together that we're very involved in is a lot of places in recent years have been looking at sort of reimagining how they use the areas around their transit hubs, their train stations and things. And so we have a program called Planning for Emerging Centers that municipalities can apply to, to get direct technical assistance on those kind of plans, like a transit-oriented plan. It includes things like if a town maybe wants to do more transit-oriented development, they may need to rethink their zoning. And it includes guidance and advice on that and looks at things like circulation around a transit uh, hub and how to make it more accessible to pedestrians and cyclists, things like that. And so that's, I think, a a way where we can really, I mean, New Jersey Transit runs the rail system and knows about 
these throughputs and headways and things like that. And, you know, and they, and they have a long history of successfully using federal money. And so I think where we can add value is, you know, we, we have, like I mentioned, we have a long range regional transportation plan sets a broad vision for things like improving transit, improving access to transit. And through programs like this, we try to um, actualize that vision at the local level. One of the last things I want to talk about is, while we'll have a link to the NJTPA's website in the show notes, for those who are listening who have an interest in being involved, Ted talked about the Union County Transportation Advisory Board. Are there ways for the general public who has an interest in this topic to be involved and to even perhaps have some input into the functions of the NJTPA and the decisions? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the first thing off the top of my head that comes to mind is our board meets every other month, the second Monday of every other month. For quite some time, we've been meeting virtually due to the pandemic, but our March board meeting on March 13th is going to be our first in-person meeting uh, in quite some time. Every board meeting, whether it's virtual or in-person, there is a period set aside for general public participation. People can come and talk about any issues, concerns, suggestions, recommendations they might have related to transportation in our region. Any action that the board is taking, whether to approve a plan, approve our transportation improvement program, or amend our transportation improvement program to put a new project in, or because of a a change in in funding, like some of those things that I mentioned where projects have been able to be accelerated, the board may take action on things like that. Any, Any, every individual action there is also an opportunity for the public to comment specifically on those actions. You know, that's sort of our formal opportunity for people to speak directly to our board. But then for all of our various initiatives, there are public outreach and public participation components of those. Our long range regional transportation plan, uh, we may do things like host a traditional public meeting in the evening, or we may have a booth at a street fair in a community, things like that. We try to find popular places, popular events where we know people are going to be so that they don't have to come to us, we go to them. Ted here uh, and his group is very involved in a lot of these efforts. The NJTPA has won a few national awards for its public engagement and outreach. There's a lot of other examples I could give, everything from getting folks involved by hosting their own sort of meetings or even like dinner parties kind of where we've provided them with materials to lead discussion and take notes. It's a much more informal process and it actually gets some really good results, I think, because people are talking to each other and to their friends and not to transportation planning professionals, which, you know, who are wonderful. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think it, 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 it makes it more real and more connected to their lives, I think, that way and a little less abstract. And there's a lot of other examples of things we've done to involve kids and get in, input from them. And you can see some videos and things like, uh, like that about these some of these efforts on our website or our our YouTube channel. I should also mention the the board meetings that I mentioned are always streamed on YouTube for people who want to watch. And I will also note that, as I mentioned, we're going back to an in-person format, but we are going to continue to allow the public to participate virtually. I think that with the pandemic, pushing government agencies and municipal county governments to go virtual I think we've seen a lot of benefits of that in that we've actually been able to get more people hearing us and seeing us and communicating with us. So we are going to, we are going to continue. Certainly people are welcome to join us, come in person, but we are going to continue to provide a, that 
virtual platform so that they can continue, the public can continue to provide input without having to physically be at the meeting. We thought that was important. Well, I want to thank you. We've been talking on this episode of Cranford Radio with David Barron. He is the executive director of the North Jersey Transportation Planning Authority, as well as Ted Ritter, who is the manager of external affairs for the NJTPA. Dave, Ted, thank you both so much for being part of the podcast. Thank you for having us, Bernie. Thanks, Bernie.